um, but the um, we we kind of we kind of see a little bit more interaction with Julia and Robbie, and they they kind of have like this little friendship kind of blossoming. They have start having a conversation about uh, you know Robbie's asking her about how she's making out with her wedding plans, and she's saying about it's been a little rough. You know, she had talked about where she was going to get her flowers from. And Robbie basically corrects her right away. Oh, you don't want to go there. You want to go see so-and-so. She's got not only, uh, you know, she's got better pricing and she's got better selection. So at this, at this particular time, uh, you know, Joy's Joy's like, Oh, you know, I appreciate that. That's, that's really good advice. And they, like you said, they, you can see that they they they've always gotten along whenever they've spoken, and, yeah. and Julia seems to, you know, when when he was down and out and really struggling, she seemed genuinely concerned about his, his well being. Right, right, and and you could tell by her reaction when you know when Robbie and Sammy come to the party that she was just kind of mingling with other guests, but she seemed really happy to see the two of them. Sure. So when we cut away from the party, we now go to a bar mitzvah. And we see the old Robbie again, because he's not at a wedding. Correct. And he is, I don't, I don't have the song that he would have been singing, but they, he's got, you know, he's singing a, a Bomeritzvah song, and they're, they're, you know, he's, he's working the crowd once again. And, but there's not a lot of Jewish families in town, as he has said, so he doesn't have a lot of opportunity, but he's doing a great job here. Yeah, and like you said, he, he, he's happy again. He's, he's finally uh, doing something that he loves, which is performing. Because he's good in front of a crowd, and so while he's he's uh, you know at the venue and he's he's doing the the song, yeah, he kind of comes across and sees a kid mm-hmm. that's sitting over there by himself, you know, kind of a little awkward looking kid. You know, he's got the kind of the odd haircut and sure. he's a little heavy. Yeah, but he's uh, you know Robbie takes an interest in him and walks over and starts talking to him. Right, and it turns out the reason why this little guy is so sad is because he asked a girl to dance and she told him he was a loser. What a horrible thing to say from that little girl. Yeah. But I mean, it happens. I mean, I, you know, kids, kids can be brutally, uh, can be brutal kids and adults, you know, it's, it's, but you know, so here's somebody kind of similar to Robbie just had his heart broken. And so Robbie's, we, we leave, we get, we, we see Robbie, there up in front of the crowd again, and he does this really nice thing. He's obviously worked something out with Julia. Well, I think what you see is that the two of them are they they think along the same lines. I don't know if you know maybe maybe it's possible that they spoke prior. Oh, you don't think that they did? That I didn't it, think they okay. did. I thought I thought he just knowing that she would think the same way that he would that he that she would understand. Okay. Uh, you know, where he's kind of like taking a chance. He's kind of like mentally saying to her, you know, look at the coolest kid. And, and maybe she saw Robbie talking to the kid. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. But I, I was always under the impression that the two of them had not spoken before she goes. And to me, that's why it's kind of the kind of one of the sweet moments of the movie is that, uh, you know, that they're they're in sync with how they're thinking about, you know, making making this kid happen. So Robbie says, OK, Julia is going to select anyone she wants to dance with like and and it's now all the little guys like pick me pick me julia pick me and he's like the biggest non-loser out there <laughs> so he uses the language that this little guy used right and so of course julia walks over immediately to the to the kid that was called the loser well now the tables have turned and now he is the coolest 
kid in the room. And he's kind of getting spurred and egged on by the crowd as they're out there dancing. So, you know, I guess uh, feeling the moment he decides to feel Julia's tushy as he puts his hands down there. <laughs> as they're doing like kind of a slow dance and suddenly everyone in the crowd starts putting their so hands on everybody's butts. Yes, yeah. including Andre and Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little different. But yeah. yeah. So we see... Um, Robbie come back again. He's 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 you know on top of it. A- anyway, so now the um, the party's over. The bar mitzvah's over, and the crew is in there cleaning up. We kind of see uh, that Robbie and Julia are having a conversation in the background, which I honestly never noticed before. Is one of my all-time favorite car songs. That's all I can do. Yeah. I love this yeah. song. Yeah. And you don't actually hear too much of the song, so it's a real quick hitter. But yeah, they're right. Perfect for the mood. Yeah. It's, you know, picture it where they're, you know, you know, kind of sweeping up, cleaning the tables, and, and Robbie's done working for the evening, and he's kind of talking to Julia, and she's putting out there that she's kind of overwhelmed with these wedding plans. Well, she thanks him for his suggestion about the flowers. Because, you know, he had said about, you know, don't go, go, go check out this, this particular person. And it's at that point that she kind of is like hinting at the fact that she needs more help. And uh, she's like, you know, re- I, I really appreciate that. She's like, you know, somebody from out of town like myself could really use somebody's expertise who kind of knows the way around the wedding industry. Right. So she kind of recruits uh, Robbie to help her plan this wedding because obviously she's not going to get that from Glenn. Right, absolutely. And, you know, before we move away from this song, why, why is the song not played these days? I mean, it was a hit. It was a hit. And why do we, it's, it's not among those, those current songs that get played all the time. The Cars are one of those groups that I don't think gets played a lot at all anymore. No, I, I don't think so. And especially their entire catalog. One of my favorite CDs that I used to have was The Car's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their older stuff is now like my favorite. Whereas... The late uh, 70s? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the Drive album was a great album. Mutt Lang produced it, had a ton of hits, came around that 1984 time period. Um, but yeah, I, I, the whole Car's catalog does not get played like like you would think it should. And they were a super important band at, at, from the New Wave movement. They were known to be, for an American New Wave band, yeah. because that was the rarity. Right? You're competing against a lot of British success at the time, especially in that early 80 period, and the Cars were one of the few uh, American bands that was cranking out more than like one album here or one album there. I mean, they were more consistent. They're probably the most consistent American New Wave band out there. Right, so we've already given the cars more time than what they're given in the entire movie, but that's fine. And hopefully what we can do, like with our podcast here, Scott, is kind of have people go back and and revisit some of these things that they may have forgotten about. And I think the cars and and all I can do is one of those things. Sure. And right, because it'll it'll jog a memory or, or I think one of the great things about hopefully, you know, when you're listening to this podcast that you'll go back and you'll look at all the songs that are on this Wedding Singer soundtrack and 
if you haven't heard, there's going to be some songs on there that you haven't heard in a while. And I know one of the ones that's going to come up at a very critical scene in the movie is something that doesn't get played a whole lot anymore, which I thought was, uh, you know, it's going to be coming up later. So, um, but this, it's a great soundtrack to go back and revisit and, and listen to some songs from that time period. So we, we leave the venue. Um, Robbie is going to help Julia. The first thing he's going to help her do is select a singer for the wedding. Now, <laughs> yes. it's not going to be Robbie because he doesn't sing at weddings anymore. Right. But we get to see and hear one of my all-time favorite actor comedians, and that would be the great John Lovitz. Now, unfortunately, we don't get to hear his version of the song. But this is going to be Cool in the Gang's version yes, of Ladies Night. But John Lovitz. As Jimmy uh, Moore. As Jimmy Moore. We knew, we knew a Jimmy Moore growing up. We did. Our, our, not our next-door neighbor, but lived next to our next-door neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, we... I, I, like, when I went back and saw the name, I'm like, holy cow, we knew we knew Jimmy Moore growing up. Yeah, Jimmy Moore, who was from Nestville, Pennsylvania yeah. as well. But, uh, yeah, uh, John Lovitz, the guy is a, st- is a scene stealer no matter what movie he appears in. Oh, yeah. In. It's kind of like when, uh, I compare it to, like, John Candy, whenever John Candy's in a movie, he's just a scene stealer. He's only in this movie for how many minutes, <laughs> but is one of the most memorable scenes in the entire movie. Sure, and... I think you have to know that going in, um, as in uh, the main actor, Adam Sandler, you know Lovitz is going to steal the scene. Obviously. You right. have to be fine with that, and the, I think he totally is, and it, it makes the movie better, and you know, you check your ego a little bit, and I'm assuming Sandler cracked up at, at, at Lovitz's performance. Well, you know, Lovitz, like Adam, you know, Lovitz, like Sandler, has, has a pretty good singing voice, and but yeah, he plays this just this over-the-top obnoxious uh, wedding singer again a guy who has an extremely high opinion of himself whereas you know Robbie's job as a wedding singer is to more or less entertain the crowd uh, Jimmy who is Lovitz's character mm-hmm. is kind of like he's posing like I'm performing like people sure. are supposed to be paying attention to him as opposed to dancing in the wedding reception and have a good time. When when I actually trained as a DJ, I w- worked with a company up in Reading called The Party People. One of the guys that I had to go train with was that type of guy. Um, he thought the whole reception was about him. And okay. I kid you not, I remember um, one of the, the last wedding reception when I actually went to the boss, Bob, and said, please don't ever book me with him again was at one point it's at the end of the at the end of the wedding reception and he's playing Abba's Dancing Queen and singing along to it. <laughs> for the crowd. For the crowd. Yeah. And I just remember the look on people it was kinda like that look of disgust like when George was singing Do You Really Wanna Hurt Me? Like, <laughs> you know, get this guy out of here. I mean they were they were so fed up with the guy and I just remember saying to my boss, please don't don't send me out with him again. Right. So that's Jimmy Moore, um, at least in the movie. And and Julia is, is pretty repulsed by him. And, you know, because Jimmy Moore could not be more insulting to Robbie. Right. And he's thanking him for, like, having his nervous breakdown because he's reaping all the benefits. That's right. My business has tripled. Yeah. And so Julia kind of gets the, get for the first time you see her kind of talk back to somebody. And she's like, well, thank you because you've convinced me to hire a DJ. 
Right. And then so Jimmy says, yeah, but can a DJ shake it like this? And he starts doing this little dance. Right. So while they're still in the room, you know, Lovitz walks off off stage a little bit. And then we find out from the conversation that, that Robbie always wanted to be a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And that's his main thing. And, you know, Julia... Uh, once enough, Robbie has written anything recently, and I, I will play a snippet of this. We can't play the whole thing because, as you know, Scott has said in the past, we, we run a clean show here, so we're not going to have all the lyrics here. Uh, okay, I just want to warn you that uh, when I wrote this song, I was listening to The Cure a lot. So, so Adam's uh, Robbie's setting it up for you. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see it. It's, it's appropriate for the time. Yeah. It's pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as you can guess where we're going from there, but he kind of loses it and he starts screaming at, at the, at the end of the song. It's interesting, Scott, because he's broken and he's crying and, but Julia says, I liked it. Yeah. She likes the fact, you know, it was his. Right. You know, the fact that, the fact that he bore his soul out there in, in a song. And so she's, yeah, I think you're starting to see the... Uh, I think that's the, really the first time that I, I think for me as a movie watcher mm-hmm. that I saw like where I could say, okay, you know, Julie's starting now to think of Robbie as more than just her buddy. Sure, sure. And, you know, that's, it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting where it's, you know, we see where there's, there's still this connection even at the lowest point for Robbie. You know, Julie's not repulsed by this. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are repulsed by the fact that Robbie's, you know, breaking up and falling apart. But I think Julia kind of sees there's something more to this guy. Okay, so the, the next thing that we have is as we um, we go from this, and this is pretty pretty heartbreaking for Robbie. He's, he's, he's kind of losing it. And then we go to the next scene where they're at the ice cream parlor. And this song by the police, which is called Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic, is playing in the background. Yeah. And isn't it funny how, you know, he had already touched on it, Sean, that the song titles kind of tie into the movie, if you, if you think about it, because, you know, boys don't cry, every little thing she does is magic. I mean, you, st- you, could, you could say that about what Robbie's thinking of Julia. Yeah. yeah it seems like, oh, you know, she seems like the perfect girl yeah. in, in, in many ways. So then... It's during this sing, scene with a song in the background that Robbie tells a little story about Linda that kind of comes into play later on with Julia and Glenn. And Robbie says, well, I should have known basically that she wasn't the one. You know, there were lo- kind of little clues. And Julia says, well, what happened? He goes, well, you know, it was no big deal. But there was one time we were flying out to see the Grand Canyon. And I'd never been there before. And Linda had been there before. Right. And, you know, she didn't let me sit in the window seat. And I'd never seen it before. Right. And he goes, oh, you know, little thing, maybe it's dumb, maybe it's no big deal. And, you know, and Julie's like, no, no, the little things matter yeah. like that. So you can see that it's just kind of a, a selfishness that would have been there with Linda. And, you know, we're seeing it with Glenn as, as he's being depicted. 
But here are these two people that seem to have similar spirits about them. Yeah, and right for the first time, I think you're starting. They're starting to finally see that. Now Julia hasn't seen it yet, but she will at some point. But the audience sure is seeing that. You know, Glenn's a selfish guy, mm-hmm. and that even though we've only seen Linda for a couple of minutes in the movie up to this point, we're learning that Linda is also a selfish person. Right, right. So, but we're going to move on because this is all about weddings. And so Robbie and Julia are going to start working on planning the wedding. And we're going to have this song playing in the background. What better way to do it? Well, yeah. Of course, this is Hollow Notes with You Make My Dreams Come True. Or actually, it's just You Make My Dreams. And we see kind of a montage while it's playing where we have a, a cake tasting. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, they're trying on wedding dresses. Yes. We see Rosie getting singing lessons. We don't hear the singing lessons because we hear hollow notes in the background. Right. But Julia's there. Julia is now going with Robbie to go see Rosie at, at her house. Yeah. And Rosie kind of notices them. Yeah. And she's. So much so that they look over at her at one point, and she quick looks away as she's doing her exercises. She's like doing tricep extensions. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the movie is trying to quickly tie in the fact that Robbie and Julie are spending an awful lot of time together now. Mm-hmm. Almost like they're spending all day together every day. And it's enough where other people are starting to notice. Yes. You know, there's there's the scene where they uh, go to the photographer. Mm-hmm. And the photographer, you know, he's, he's working her down in price. And that, you know, at, at the end she goes, oh, I can tell you guys are going to make it. May, come on. <laughs> and then she's, okay, you got me. Yeah, right. And, but it's like other characters are starting to say, oh, you guys look like a happy couple. And they think they're just friends. So they, they kiddingly say to the photographer that they're brother and sister. And then they start, you know, hitting each other. But they just seem to be growing closer and closer as with, with every day. Well, speaking of every day, that leads to the next song. which I is did, I El- didn't even try that. Yeah, Elvis Costello's Every Day I Write the Book. My favorite Elvis Costello song. And this is playing... And uh, as Robbie and um, Sammy are coming back in the limousine from a day of, of going out and trying on dresses and eating cake. and Now, which dress did they, who was wearing the dress that they chose? Uh, George, I That's believe. right. Yeah. It was George. Yeah. And George was happy. <laughs> Jumping up and down and clapping. Had like Doc Martin boots on underneath. That's right. But as we, we see... Here in this scene, they discover that Julia has left her jacket in the limousine. That's right. Well, Sammy notices the jacket. Yeah. And then Robbie all of a sudden gives this long explanation, pretty much recaps the entire day, scene by scene, and Sammy just looks at him after yeah. this after this like one minute long explanation of, of what Julia was doing, what the weather was like, and what she said here and what she said there. And Sammy's like, huh? And then he goes. 
Well, he's like, he, you know, basically that he goes, you got a thing for her, yeah, don't you? You like her. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, what? Well, what? No, no. <laughs> yeah, very typical, going to deny it. You know, but, and as, as the audience, we're thinking that as well. Right. And we were like, oh, now we're kind of like starting to root for the, them to get together. Right. So we, we then, that's night when, when Sammy and Robbie talk about the jacket. The next day, Robbie returns the jacket over to Holly and Julia's house. And they're having a discussion about what type of kiss you should have at your wedding. That's right. And so they 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 talk about, you know, closed mouth, open mouth, tongue, no tongue. And so somehow the, um, what not porno tongue, but church tongue. So I, it, it was never really explained what that is. Yeah. But so they're they're having this this argument, and then Holly, because Robbie just happened to, to walk in, Robbie says to Julia, "Well, why don't you show show us with Robbie?" Yeah, right. Well, well initially, Holly's like, "Show us. I want to see. I want yeah. to see how it's done." So they they kind of awkwardly stand in front of each other because they've never kissed each other before. Sure. At, at this point, they're just friends. You could tell they're they're having feeling. You know, Robbie at least at this point. You know Robbie is having feelings for Julia, so they kind of awkwardly stand in front of each other, and then they actually share this kiss. But while they're kissing, you can tell it becomes very intimate. Sure, like you can you can see the feeling go right there as they're kissing. As Holly comments on after they're done, she's like, "Oh wow, that was amazing!" And so much so that you know Julia kind of like takes a step back as as if she's woozy, right? And then, uh, you know, so they're, they're just kind of standing there gazing at each other. And then all of a sudden, Glenn walks in. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, Robbie's like, I, I kissed her. And, and he's like, and he walks out and he's like, kiss too. You know, and, and Holly's like, oh, me. He goes, well, who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as we have learned that Holly, you know, has, gets around. That's, that's kind of the word on the street. Right. At least from the eight-year-old nephew would probably say. <laughs> that's right. Everybody's saying that. Everybody knows. <laughs> right, right. Um, so they decide that it would be a good idea for them to double date because now Holly's very interested in Robbie after seeing this. Right. She's, a, she's interested in that kiss. And so she wants to go on a double date with, uh, you know, I forget if it was Julia or Holly, whoever suggested it. One, one of the girls suggested that, that Glenn and Julia and Robbie and Holly go on a double date. Yeah, because Holly is, is starting to show some interest in Robbie because Robbie's alone. And you know she's she's not dating anybody at that point. She's like, oh, you know, Robbie's cute. You know, right. I'll go out with Robbie. And uh, you know, they're making jokes about the fact that, that you know he's he's probably going to get some. And and she's like, no, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> right. So the the next scene that we have is at the nightclub that they go to for their double date, and we hear this classic song by New Order, Blue Monday, playing in the background. Blue Monday is. One of the all-time throwback dance floor jams of early kind of house music. I, when it comes to this song and and New Order in general, I I was aware of them. I would hear them on occasion on like our local radio station, FM 97, might do kind of a a dance jam Mm -hmm. night, like on maybe a Saturday night or so. So if I was in the car and I was, was, you know, driving around or so, I might hear some of this. And I liked it, but as I think that I started to appreciate it a lot more when I got older. Well, 
the York radio station Q106 used to on Saturday night starting at seven o'clock used to do Club 106. Maybe that's what I'm. And this was of. big on that. All right, maybe that's yeah, what. Yeah, this I'm is like of. a weekly song. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's certainly the type of song that you would have heard sure. at a club back in 1985. Absolutely. Yeah, but Blue Monday, Blue Monday is an all-timer on the dance floor. So we're, we're at the club, and Robbie is there with, with Holly, and Holly looks just like Madonna. Yes. And Robbie even comments on that, and, you know, that's exactly the look she was going for. Simple, yeah, that's what I was going for. Right, and... But Robbie doesn't seem into it. And not only that, but Julia doesn't really seem to be into it either. Yeah. They, being with Glenn. They both seem to be off. You know, right. All that chemistry that you saw between the two of them when they're spending their days together, for some reason, they are they are a little, little out of sync with not only with their dates, but also kind of with each other. And... Um, you know, it just it, it doesn't get off to a very good start. No, and at, at one point, Robbie kind of notices Glenn checking out the waitress. And this is when the girls are still at the table. But while they're still at the table, you also hear this song yes. played. And the girls get all excited. They do, because they, they love David Bowie. They love David Bowie. And this is China Girl. Because, you know, David Bowie's so sexy, they say. <laughs> One of the great album producers of the 1980s, Nile Rodgers, did this one with David Bowie. So the girls kind of get up and leave. They they go off to the bathroom. You know, Julie's not feeling well. For some reason, she's she, although she's not a big drinker, when she had said at the beginning right. of the movie, for some reason, she's down in shots and, and basically getting drunk for right. purpose, it seems. Right, it does. So they, they go off and, uh, you know, we... We have a little interaction between Glenn and Robbie. And we, you know, like I said, Robbie kind of notices Glenn checking out the waitress. And so he comments on, you know, about the waitress and, you know, Glenn's all in on this. He, he takes a chance. Yeah. You know, he takes a chance because he wants to see if maybe what he sus- suspects about Glenn is actually true. So he, he kind of throws a question out there, makes a comment about the waitress and it's kind of like baiting a trap to see if Glenn's going to step in it. And sure enough, he does. Yeah, I forget. What was the exact line that he used? Like prime grade A beef or something like that? I think it was USDA prime grade A beef. Yeah, because it comes up later right. in the movie. Yeah. But, you know, we, we kind of, we hear that. And, you know, as Scott said, you know, Robbie now has the information out there that, you know, the Glenn, you know, as Glenn tells him, he goes, well, he's like, he goes, yeah, but guys our age, you know, we can't get anything, you know, that hot. He goes, oh, yeah, I've, I've been with girls hotter. And it's like, yeah, you know, maybe 10 years ago, he goes, try 10 days ago. And then all of a sudden, this whole tidal wave of information is now, now Robbie knows something bad that is bad for Julia and she, he finds out that is that that her fiance is a scumbag. And the only reason he's really with her and going to marry her is because, well, she was with him before he made his money, so he knows he can trust her. Right. Yeah. So he's with her for all the wrong reasons. Right. So the girls come back from the bathroom, and Julie's not feeling well, so they decide they're going to leave. And as they get ready to leave in the club, you can hear this song playing, and this is. A song that, you know, 
I was aware of. I mean, you would hear this when you went out there. I, I, you I would. I never owned anything by the B-52s. So this is Private Idaho. Yes. Yeah. This was before Love Shack and, you know, when they really kind of hit the mainstream. It, they were kind of, kind of counterculture. They were. Um, Rock know, Lobster was, this, was Rock, the big this, one. Was this and Rock Lobster. My Private Idaho doesn't get played much. Of, I mean, you would still hear Rock Lobster. Sure. Obviously, you still hear Love Shack, Rome. But yeah, this, this is probably, of those songs, this is probably the one that gets played the least. Right. But I think the again the music does a, a really good job of kind of setting the chaos that's kind of going through Robbie's mind because this is what's playing when when Glenn kind of dumps this bombshell on him that oh I'm unfaithful to Julia right right so that's going on in the club so they, they get up and they go to leave and Glenn is going to go out and get his vehicle which of course is a DeLorean well at this point when they when the girls go to the restroom, Julia has vomited, so she's she's not feeling well. She's she's gotten sick, and so you know Holly is helping her out outside. Robbie's walking along with them, and here comes Glenn pulling up in the DeLorean, and all of a sudden, you know, the the door opens up. Well, that's and, before as you're walking out, you hear this song, right? Which is the psychedelic furs with "Love My Way." Right. I like I like this song. It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. This this time period to me is very underrated this is i think the new romantic period there's a lot of good music a lot of good british music that came out during this time and this is this is one of those groups that it just it if you wanted to be hip if you wanted to be cool uh you know this was the kind of music that was being played at at that time and Again, it's stuff that you don't get to hear a whole lot, which is why it's so good to kind of go back and revisit music like, you know, the song like this. And that's another reason why I love this era is because even the alternative music still had a lot of pop sensibility about it. Sure. So this song's playing as they're walking out of the club. Glenn, of course, pulls up in his DeLorean. Mm -hmm. So as Glenn gets out or, or, or pops open the door on the DeLorean, we go from the psychedelic furs and we hear... Of course, the song that will be playing probably on his cassette deck sure. inside the car is the Miami Vice theme. Yeah, and again, this this is the summer and fall of 1985. Jan Hammer from the Miami Vice soundtrack. You got it, folks. You got to go back and watch the music video for this because nothing screams 1985 like... Jan Hammer running around on screen with a gun in his hand, pretending that he is, I don't know if he's a cop or a bad guy, but uh, it's, and the, what did they call the keyboard that you slung across your shoulder? The keytar. The keytar. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's rocking the keytar, too. But, so, <clears throat> Glenn gets her into the car, and, of course, the moment the door shuts, the theme song goes well, away. Well, now what, what does, now when Glenn opens up the car door, is he concerned about Julia, or what does he say? He says, don't puke in the car. Exactly. So, again, he shows that he doesn't really value his fiance. like he's more concerned about the car than he is about her. Well, you know, we, we learned that from Billy Idol later on. Glenn only thinks about her as a possession. Um, so, that is, at the, the night is over. At least at the club. Now we go back where Holly and Robbie go back to Holly's house. 
And Holly, you know, is pretty much telling Robbie it's a sure thing, you know, if he comes inside with her. And Robbie says no. He doesn't. Um, well, he, they do kiss, and she, after they're done kissing, she says, yummy. <laughs> that just made me, always made me laugh. You know, it's funny because when I watched the movie last night, I said it right when she said it, just because it's such a funny, memorable line. You know, uh, you know Christine Taylor, again, we, uh, we talked about Ellen, uh, Ellen Dow as Rosie being from Pennsylvania. Christine Taylor actually is also originally from Pennsylvania. She's from Wilkes-Barre. And she is now, many of you know her as Mrs. Ben Stiller, and she was in a lot of Ben Stiller movies. But, uh, you know, I I just, it seems like everything she's in, I, I always enjoyed it. She was in the uh, the Brady Bunch movie. She played Marsha. And, yeah, she's, she's, I think she's a really good actress, and she's she's a great comedic actress. And her portrayal of Holly was, was pretty spot on. Oh, no, it, it, it's very good. And so, anyways, you know, they, they have a... Um, like Scott says, they have a kiss, and it really kind of doesn't go anywhere, you right. know? And it's, as they talk, you know, because all Robbie can talk about is Julia. He's concerned about her because he's he's found out, you know, Julia is not feeling well. And he, this this whole thing with Glenn is, you can tell it's starting to consume him. And so they're standing there and kind of talking, and instead of him focusing on Holly, who's right in front of him, and is saying, hey, you're going to get lucky tonight. Right. He can't get Julia off his off his mind, and eventually Holly recognizes that you know he, he's more than just friends with Julia. And much like Sammy, um, a day earlier, figured out that Robbie's got a thing for Julia. Now, uh, Holly think understands that Robbie's got a thing for Julia. But then an important conversation takes place as to why uh, Julia is with Glenn, mm-hmm. and the way Holly portrays it is that well because you know basically glenn's a provider he's stability he's he's got money and you know robbie is in this you know he's he's the artist that you know takes meatballs for pay right so he's kind of above money and holly basically tells him that it's important to everyone to have somebody that can provide right so now robbie has this his takeaway from the conversation is uh, you know, my life is not going to get somebody like Julia. I'm right. going to have to change my life in order to attract somebody of the caliber of a Julia. Right. So we then leave to the next morning. And as Julia comes downstairs, a little hungover from the night before, Holly and Julia are at breakfast. We hear Huey Lewis in the news. Do you believe in love? Kind of fitting. Yep. Playing in the background. Yeah, and again, um, now would we have listened to uh, Do You Believe in Love in 1985? That's eh, debatable. It's a, it probably it's, would have been played maybe sports. three, four years earlier. Yeah, Do You Believe in Love was 1982. Yeah. Whereas sports came out in 1983, 1984. Uh, 1985, sports was still on the charts. So, but I think the song title is appropriate sure. for, for the movie. And, you know, there's a, a whole conversation between Julia and Holly, uh, you know, uh, about, you know, what happened the night before. And, um, you know, out of that, Julia decides that she's going to go over to Rosie's house and try to track Robbie down because, you know, she knows that's the time when Robbie goes over and gives the lesson, um, the singing lesson. When she gets there, he's not there. Right. And during the conversation with Holly, Holly kind of 
alludes to what she and Robbie spoke about and that she just very matter of factly said, well, I, I said that the reason that you and Glenn were, were together is because of money, you know, because of uh, financial stability. Right. And Julie was not happy to hear that. And then those kind of lends to the reason as to why she kind of rushed out to go see Robbie, because I, I think she was very unhappy with Holly that she would say something like that about her. Right. And, you know, cause that is kind of what has attracted her to Robbie throughout this is because he's not like Lynn, you know, he's not somebody that's about possessions and, you know, he's, uh, he cares about her and, you know, she's starting to pick up on that. So like I said, she goes over to Rosie's house to try to track Robbie down and um, she, she has a gift for him and he's not there. And Rosie says, no, he's, he's going off to the city basically to make some money. And then we see kind of a funny scene uh, with Kevin Nealon as, as a banker and, and Robbie trying to uh, to get to get a job with him to get a job with no way or no no experience in the banking industry. Yeah, he, he basically is going there with an idea, and he's going to try and somehow manage to talk his way into becoming a banker. And Kevin Neal's like, "Well, what experience do you have?" And he's like, "Well, I love money. <laughs> I'd like to have more money." So he he kind of gives all the wrong answers, and right? Yeah, Nealon plays it pretty straight. Kevin Nealon and Sandler were together on, on Saturday Night Live. Kevin Nealon, a part of what was my favorite cast in SNL history, which would have been the mid to late 80s uh, cast. Um, but it does a good job of just kind of playing the straight guy in this one. All right, so Robbie strikes out. He's he's going back home, kind of his tail between his legs. He, he pulls up to the house, and we hear this song playing in the background. Now... You, can you remember the cars in the movie? Like, what was Robbie driving and what was Julia driving? Do, does that kind of stand out to you? I mean, not, I, I couldn't give you a model. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Best things in life pretty sure. I know Julia was driving a Chevy Chevette. Okay. I'm pretty sure Robbie was driving a Gremlin. Uh, yeah, I think it was a Gremlin. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, those were the two cars that I remember. And. Uh, that that they were driving. I know we have listeners out there who are car people, and they're like probably screaming at me right now. <laughs> and and I say to them all the time, I'm not a car guy. I, I'm right. pretty sure Robbie's driving AMC right. Gremlin. Yeah, right. So I, I know that's bizarre to people, but I don't pick up on those things. And I don't think I don't think they were making Gremlins in 1985, which I think would have probably been it was an old intentional, car. yeah, right. intentional for the movie. Yeah, because you remember at, at our high school, uh, Scott Greiner my buddy um he borrowed his uncle's super gremlin or something like that and brought it to school and it was like this jacked up gremlin <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been a car from i think the 70s maybe in the 60s i don't know i think it was the 70s I, it was probably like a 75 or 76 once again the car people are screaming at me because there would have been years that those things would have been released but anyways that was the uh, the flying lizards with money of course the beatles mm-hmm. had the famous version of the song um, when that song came out, I I couldn't have said it was the Flying Lizards. I I don't, I don't know who I thought it was. Yeah, I know um, one of the one of the versions that I used to play at weddings was by a singer named Barrett Strong, and I think that's who the Beatles took their version from. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting cover song, cover version uh, of that song, which I, again kind of ties into the movie itself. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. And of course, you know, when we get back there, you know, Robbie's he, he's he's in a horrible mood. Julia's all happy because she's got this gift for him, and he, 
you know, basically, he's no longer the sweet Robin anymore. He's all about money. He's all about things. Yeah, he, he kind of takes a turn there where he's kind of speaking to Julia based on what Holly said. So I think, in a way, it sort of shattered Robbie's mental image of who Julia really is. And now, all of a sudden, it kind of triggered something in his brain saying, well, she's not really the person I thought she was. I, th- I think that's true. And also, I think he's thinking that this is what the world is this is what i need to become this is if i ever want to you know acquire somebody uh, decent like like julia i need to start doing what the world says i need to do well and linda even told him it, that well linda yeah linda absolutely rejected him for that reason right and now he's getting the impression that Julia is not interested in him for that reason. Right. So Robbie in his mind is saying, I need to change. So he insults her and, you know, basically, hey, you know, you're all about possessions. Or else you're with Glenn. She gets mad. She she throws the, these papers in the air. And it turns out it's these this customized um, sheet music, basically, that she gave him so he could write songs with his name on it. Right. Yeah. So they have their first fight. Right. Right. And of course, you know, Robbie is immediately devastated. So we then leave that scene and we we cut to a bar. And we're playing in the background at the bar was Bruce Springsteen's Hungry Heart, the boss. And that's kind of the cool thing about Springsteen music. And again, 1985, you probably probably would have been listening to something from Born in the USA. Could be, but you know what? This is a bit of a dive bar that he goes to. True. And this song would have been, based on the ages of the characters, probably been popular when he would have been in high school. And also, you know, Bruce Springsteen, as an up-and-coming musician, was performing in Asbury Park, which is roughly 45 minutes south of where this town is in Richfield, New Jersey. And I would imagine at any bar in New Jersey... In the probably even today, you're going to hear Springsteen at some point playing on the jukebox. Yes, Bruce Springsteen is revered in New Jersey. Absolutely. Right. So I think it's appropriate. And once again, a hungry heart is is kind of the the song that's being played. Right. So we we see Sammy. You know, he comes up and um, he kind of lets uh, you know Robbie in on what he's all about. And you know, Robbie, of course, says, "I want to be just like you. I don't want to care. I just want to pick up checks and and not and not have any feelings for him." And he goes. He goes, I want to be happy like you. He goes, I'm not happy. He goes, I'm miserable. He goes, I, I don't want this life. He goes, I grew up worshiping uh, Vinnie Barbarino and, and Fonzie. And he goes, but nobody wants to see a 50-year-old guy trying to pick up checks. Yeah, he said the biggest problem with them is they got old. And their no, shows and, got canceled. And, and their shows got canceled. And nobody wants to see an old guy trying to pick up women. Sure, sure. Which, you know, is, is, you know, and then of course, but Sammy lets Robbie know, don't you ever tell anybody I just said this. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, and Robbie, Robbie's pretty, pretty depressed at this point. Um, so he's, he's not feeling very good about himself and they, and they have this conversation, but I think in, in Sammy kind of fessing up to his real feelings, kind of, kind of, uh, reinvigorates Robbie a little bit towards the relationship with Julia. Well, sure, because he decides that, you know what, I have feelings for her. I'm not going to let her get away. So he goes walking back to the house where she's at. And, you know, right before Robbie gets there, there's a conversation that takes place between Julia and her mother. 
And, you know, this mother is just giving terrible advice. You know, she's, she's all about trying to, to set her daughter up and, uh, you know, marry well is, is probably what she's trying to do. And, you know, Julia confines with her that she's having second thoughts. She ha- is having these feelings for Rob. He's just like the wedding singer. And, you know. Well, there was, I don't know if, I didn't necessarily think of it as much in the mid 80s, but there was a stigma attached to unmarried women uh, for a lot of the 20th century. Yeah, the, 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 I guess the, remember the comment when a woman was unmarried, she was called an old maid. Sure. You know, they, it was the librarian or the school teacher. And it, it was not looked upon in a positive light. And I can see, you know, even when you watch it now, you're thinking, holy cow, it's like, she's horrible. She's like, but there were women and, and mothers that, that truly believe that you're, your daughter, your job is to get married. Uh huh. But but Julie is not saying she's not interested in someone. She's just interested in the wedding singer. But and, the, and the mom's trying to steer her towards towards the good provider. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so um, she then you know she's trying on her her wedding gown the the you know before the wedding a couple of days before the wedding, and she's you know talking into the mirror and doing what I you know I know I'm the girl so I don't know what what, <laughs> what girls do before their weddings and but she's like reciting the name like what's her married name going to sound like and right. you know this is like causing her to go to tears with Julia Gulia. Yeah. Well, I mean, Amy said that um, you know at one point that she would sit there and like write Amy High in her notebook. Okay. And so that was, uh, you know, I know it's a thing. It is, and so that's that's what she's doing. But then at some point, she stops doing Julia Gulia and Mister and Mrs. Glenn Gulia, and starts to do uh, Robbie Hart. Right, and all she she goes from tears because she's crying at this point, and then all she kind of stops after she says, "I'm Mrs. Julia Gulia," and starts you know sobbing, and all of a sudden she kind of stops and she goes, "Hi." I'm Mrs. Robbie Hart. And then all of a sudden she launches into this pretending that she's married to Robbie. Yeah. And her, her face and her demeanor and everything just changes instantly. And now all of a sudden she's happy again. And, and at that point, we have Robbie walking up the sidewalk, going to, you know, proclaim his love for her. We hear once again the psychedelic furs playing in the background. But he looks up in the window and he sees Julia talking to herself in the mirror, smiling and happy. She's beaming, and, she, and he. She's wearing her dress, and she's she could not be happier. And he misunderstands it as that she's happy that she's getting ready to get married. Right. So as a result, Robbie immediately goes back to the bar, and this time when he goes back to the bar, he uh, you know he brings his own bottle with him, mm-hmm. and and so he invites. Um, Sammy, and I forget what the older guy's name is. I don't think he ever has a name. It's Carmen uh, Philpy. It's just listed as old man in the bar. Okay. Um, but he's a he's a character actor. He's been in probably hundreds of movies as uh, as an older looking guy. Right. But he's actually quite funny in this in this movie when when Sammy says, you know, I just want somebody to hold me, and he actually goes over and like gives Sammy a hug <laughs> and tell me everything's going to be all right. Everything, and he says that everything's going to be okay, <laughs> and Sammy just kind of looks at him and kind of like nods and like pats his hand. Um, but yeah, they go in and and so Robbie brings his own drink into the bar, and the bartender's like, "Robbie can't bring that in there," and kicks him out. So they have to go. So they have to leave, 
and as they are walking out of the bar. Oh, but right before we get that, okay, as when when Robbie gets back to the bar. Yeah, that's right. They the the old guy and Sam are in there, uh, like break dancing to jam on it by New Clues. Yes, uh, you know it's a great song. Again, this is one of those scenes that probably wouldn't have happened in real life, but. <laughs> I think they were just trying to fill so much 80s pop culture into the movie. It's like, all right, somebody's got to try and break dance, right? Or, <laughs> or, you know, do the moonwalk. And I think the old guy, didn't he have, like, the Michael Jackson jacket on? Well, Sammy, yeah, Sammy had walked in with the jacket on. And then by the end of the night, because, you know, he told him everything's going to be okay, yeah. now all of a sudden he's wearing the jacket and Sammy's, like, you know... Show got, him how to break dance. Got the parachute pants he's on. He's popping. And, yeah. Anyway, so... Just little brief uh, new clues made an appearance in there. So, but Scott's right. And pick it up, Scott. You say where they, they actually go outside and leave the bar. So they go outside. And, and Robbie has had already been drinking a little bit before he walked into the bar. So they get kicked out. And they come outside. And it's, it's the old guy. It's Sammy. And it's Robbie. And lo and behold, they run into Glenn and his, you know, jerk friends. And they all have women. Uh, you know, Robbie already knows at this Including point. Including Glenn. Yeah. And Robbie already knows at this point that Glenn is not faithful to Julia. And he's he kind of shows up just as an extra way. Not that it was intentional, but just the fact that he's standing there with another woman the night before he's getting married just shows to Robbie that, you know, this this guy's just rubbing it in. And Robbie can't take it. He confronts Glenn. You know, he's they 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 have a little back and forth and Robbie challenges him to a fight. You know, as he's getting ready, taking his jacket off, getting ready to fight, the old guy decides he's going to step in and throw a punch, a very feeble punch. <laughs> he's like, I used to be much stronger. Yeah. I'm sorry. I <laughs> used to be much stronger. And at that point, then Glenn just pops Robbie in the face and stands over him, kind of mocks him. Everybody laughs at him. Um, so it's not a good night for Robbie. Well, and Glenn kind of lets on that he knows that Robbie has a thing for Julia. Sure. And so he's, he's basically like, you know, he had it coming to you. Julia's mine. You know, don't even try and, and muscle your way in because she's mine. And, uh, you know, I think he does even make reference to the fact that he's orphaned, that his yeah, parents died. I think he does. Yes, he does. So yeah. they, they are, you know, he's at this point, he's basically, you know, throwing, you know, verbal jabs as well as, as a punch. And he's, he's just knocking knocking Robbie into the gutter right. at, at this and, point. And so it, it's a bad night for Robbie. But. As we uh, move to the next scene, we go back to Robbie's house, and we have the uh, the Smiths. How soon is now playing? I love this song. Yeah, we never, I, I would never thought I ever would have said that I was a big fan of a Smith song, but I like this one. This is a good one. Yeah, this is a good song. And so, yeah, he's basically, you know, he's drunk. He got punched. He's staggering back to his house. And who is waiting for him in the front lawn? It's Linda. It's Linda, and she's all decked out. And for some reason, she's she's putting on, you know, charming Linda for whatever reasons. And we don't know why. We never find out why. She decides she wants him back. She she can live with it. Yeah. And she tells him later on. But, she yeah, she takes him back. Robbie kind of passes out we, you know and it's interesting because you know that, that song the way this, this this is a perfect song for the scene because it's kind of dreamy yeah and in a way it's being the, the scene's being depicted at, from robbie's perspective 
where it's almost like, is it real? Is it not real? Well, and and he utters a, a very funny line as you know, right before is he, you know, Linda comes walking up to him and he sees her and he goes, "Well, kiss my grits." <laughs> as anybody who grew up in the eighties, you know, new flow from Alice. I mean, it's just a great line where he's like, "Well, oh, kiss That's my true. grits." And then you know she comes up and she's kind of like getting ready. She's trying to seduce him back into a relationship again. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, Robbie, he passes out. Right. And passes so, out cold. Yeah, passes out cold. So that that ends that day. But then the next day, um, we have where Julia decides she's going to show up at Robbie's house. Yeah. So at this point, they hadn't they hadn't made up yet. They're still you know still kind of fighting, and so Robbie went to Julia's house unbeknownst to julia to try and make up with her uh you know he's come to grips with the fact that he he has you know he's fallen for her. and i think julia now at this point realizes that she hasn't like fully committed but she's starting to understand that she likes she she really does truly falling in love with robbie right right she is and and when she gets there she meets linda at at the door and linda is dressed she's spent the night over there you know she's she's barely dressed she's she's wearing a van halen t-shirt and uh she basically says you know robbie's uh, indisposed at the moment and uh, now julia is kind of devastated as she walks away yeah julia goes there not expecting to see but she as soon as she sees linda she doesn't you know, Linda doesn't introduce herself, which again kind of lends to Linda's personality and how kind of self selfish she is. But Julia says, You must be Linda. And and she's like, Yeah, yeah, how did you you know, kinda of like, how'd you know? And you know, so, you know, Julia says, Pass along this information for Robbie and then so they leave. So Julia is very defeated when she when she walks away. Yeah, and then of course you know we we come to the point. Robbie he he's now awake. He says, "What are you doing here?" To Linda, he's over Linda, and he basically kicks her out and has one of the, my favorite lines in the movie, mm-hmm. where he says, uh, "Get out of my Van Halen T-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up." <laughs> in 1985, sure, and you you know darn well when they do break up a few months later, he's yeah. furious at Linda because yeah. that you know that. That's what would happen. Hey, once again, Scott, we mentioned Van Halen in the podcast. Right. Yeah, Gen X playback, uh, <laughs> episode 28. Uh, we're, we're pretty close to it. So. Yeah, 100, batting 100 with that. Yeah. Uh, but that, then that's it. You know, Linda's, Linda's out. Um, we now fast forward to the next day because remember, Glenn had a, had a, a wild night out mm-hmm. with his buddies and a bunch of girls. And we see Glenn uh, wearing leopard print bikini briefs. Yes. Which, you know, I think when we talked during the, our fashion episode, you brought up the bikini brief. Yeah, because it was starting to come into prominence with uh, jockey underwear and Jim Palmer, the, you know, the Baltimore Orioles baseball pitcher, that it was starting to become kind of a, a fashion piece. Mm-hmm. You know, underwear for a lot of regular guys was, you know, tidy whities sure. or, or boxer shorts. And the bikini briefs started to become a thing around this time in, in the mid 80s yeah yeah because in, in 85 i don't think we had the the boxer briefs weren't really big at that no point. i i don't think box, i don't remember boxer briefs they until the 90s. 90s yeah, yeah. even even boxers i don't know the guys that were wearing boxers back a whole lot in the 80s it was it was the the tidy whities for the loom guys yeah yep. that's right 
So, you know, Julia now tells Glenn that she wants to get married, like now, and she wants to go to Vegas right now. And so, you know, Glenn's overjoyed, and they're going to hop on a plane and, and go to Vegas. So then we, we cut away, and we go to the big event, which is uh, Rosie and Frank's 50th wedding anniversary. And Rosie is uh, singing this sweet song to her husband. And it's going to be, in uh, as she had said earlier in the movie, It'll be so obvious that she put all this heart and thought into it because she practiced and, and worked on the song. And so a lot of people that are Robbie and Robbie's friends are there to witness this party. Yeah, as we said, Richfield's a very small town, so just about everybody knows everybody. So a 50-year wedding anniversary is a big deal you know, in town. So everybody's watching this very tender, touching moment and Robbie is realizing at this point that this is what he wants. Sure. You know, he doesn't want to settle for somebody like Linda. He wants the true love. And for him, the true love is Julia. And that's when he turns to Sammy. Right. And he, he basically, and Sammy like knows exactly he what he wants. He doesn't even have to say he's, anything. He just turns and Sammy goes, I know. I'll get the car. Yeah. And uh, at that point, Holly comes in mm-hmm. and she says, you know, they, they, they went off to Vegas because... Robbie thinks he's going to go back over to her house mm-hmm. and talk to her. But no, they've left. He goes, but they're getting married like tomorrow. And they're like, nope. They, she went to your house. Linda was there. She got so upset. She, they're going off to Vegas. These yeah. Are, these are impulsive people. Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> like, they, they're going to, it's like their heart's broken. So they immediately go to somebody else. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot to get in there in two hours. So it's a two-hour movie you got you got to kind of cram all the information together but as as robbie's going to leave this party because you know this is a big deal you know he's, he's close to rosie and he doesn't want to upset her with him leaving the party so he says you know i had to go and rosie knows immediately just like sammy did that he is going after julia and she really encourages him to go forward yeah, and do that i i know honey you know i know you go you go go get her so but as robbie does leave the party we do hear rosie uh, not only was she singing some sweet little song that I, I wasn't familiar with, but she starts Rapper's Delight doing a Sugar Hill Gang song. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the truly great hip hop songs ever. <laughs> and she's like, do this, like this part. Now keep in mind, when, when she did this, she was... Like 85-ish, I think? 85, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she lived... She passed away in 2015. She was 101. And this is what, she's, what she was doing. Yeah, impressive. Yeah, not bad for an 85-year-old woman. So they're rushing to the airport, and while they are, are driving and going to the airport, Robbie suddenly has the inspiration for a song. He does, and also on the side is that... Sammy's helping Robbie, but Holly jumps in. So now there's a little bit of communication going on between Holly and Sammy for the first time. Sure. They get to the airport, and um, I think, Scott, this is one of your favorite scenes. With the, with, with yeah. the, and I'll let you tell with, when the, he goes to buy a ticket. So he goes to the, uh, you know, to the ticket counter, and he goes to buy a ticket. And the, the guy's like, well, there's only a first class. So he has to borrow the money from Sammy because uh, he put it on Sammy's credit card. Right. And so they're just kind of doing their thing. Meanwhile, you can't take your eyes off of the, the guy at the ticket counter because he's got this wild flock of seagulls haircut uh, where the you know where the sides are kind of uh, curled in 
and it kind of looks like the Star Trek Enterprise on on top of his head. But he, you know, he's like, oh, you know, we don't have first class. And then at the very end, he just looks at Robbie and he goes, "Hey, do you like a flock of seagulls?" <laughs> and Robbie, very fun, you know, says to him, "I can see you do." As yeah. he goes running off, right, exactly. And then we have a cut to the plane and flashback to what Robbie was telling Julia about his experience with Linda and the plane where Julia has never been to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So she says to Glenn, I've never been to Las Vegas. I'd I'd like to be able to sit in the window seat and Glenn won't give it up. You know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be in the aisle because the cart can hit you with the elbow when he goes by. doesn't care that it would hit Julia. Right. And he says, I'll tell you what, um, when we, when we fly over the strip, I'll let you lean over and look outside the window. Right. Yeah. And, and they're flying coach. So they're in the back, and Robbie's actually in the front in first class, and he's completely out of his element. He has he's never been in first class before. He gets like a, a little a warm towel, and he's like tucks it into his, his shirt like a bib. Yeah, and and so the the steward points over to the other guy, and he's like putting it on his face and just kind of using it to relax and 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 relieve the stress. And he, and so Robbie's like really impressed, and he starts opening up to the steward about why he's on the plane one of the other passengers an aisle over a a woman overhears him telling the story and she's like that's so sweet cut away with julia getting whacked in the arm by a cart and all of a sudden you go back to first class and now robbie is telling everybody in first class the story of of what's going on including billy idol who happened to be in first class as, as it was pointed out to him and uh, Billy Idol's right there with him, like you know, Glenn doesn't understand, <laughs> you know, what it takes. He's only selfish and into it for himself. And she, he thinks of it as a possession. Yeah. Um. So they're they're having this whole conversation, and then all of a sudden, a very upset stewardess comes walking into first class, and she says, "Somebody back in coach just hit on her." Yeah, and use the line that I. Couldn't remember that you said that USDA USDA prime beef or something like prime, that. Yeah, USDA prime grade A beef. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Robbie says he he gets a flash like he knows who it is, so he goes up and he peeks behind the curtain and he sees Julia walking back and sitting next to Glenn. Right, and he's like, "Hey, they're here on this plane." And you you know I don't you know you guys got to help me. I don't know what to do. And so they, uh, so they're all going to like everybody in first class is going to bond together and help uh, Robbie uh, win Julia. And then all of a sudden, we hear Billy Idol's voice come over the loudspeaker on the plane, and some spiel about, well, you know, uh, we pretty much let our first class uh, customers do whatever they want, and because we let our first class uh, passengers pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, this one, this is a song dedicated for somebody in coach or something like that. Right. And then we hear the song that Robbie came up with as he was driving over. Good afternoon, everybody. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Hey. We get the whole Billy Idol. And we got clear skies all the way to Las Vegas. And right now we're bringing you some in-flight entertainment. One of our first-class passengers would like to sing you a song inspired by one of our coach passengers. And since we let our first-class passengers do pretty much whatever they want, here he is. I want to make you smile whenever you're sad Carry you around when your arthritis is bad All I want to do is grow old with you I'll get your medicine 
listen when your tummy aches Build you a fire if the furnace breaks So it could be so nice of course, at this point, Robbie comes out from behind the counter, or uh, behind the curtain. Well, Julia hears the voice first, sure. and she you can tell she she recognizes the voice, but um, it isn't until he actually kind of comes out from behind the first With class curtain. Billy Idol's guitar. That she, her, her face just lights up because she, she, she now knows for sure that it's Robbie that's on the, and he's actually singing directly to her. Right, and at this point, Glenn sees it, gets furious. And he tries to, to intercede, and the staff is all on board with helping Robbie. And Billy Idol. And Billy Idol. Who so, comes out. So the, uh, the stewards blocks the aisle with one cart, and so um, uh, Billy Idol blocks the other aisle, and he, the, uh, you know, Glenn says you know, something insulting to Billy Idol. He says, get out of my way, Billy. <laughs> and then some big biker dude with a Billy Idol t-shirt. Uh, jumps up and they basically throw Glenn into the bathroom. That's right. So he's he's out of the picture, and then uh, Robbie finishes the song with Julia, and so he finally they finally verbally for the very first time confess their love for each other. And I did hear this, and maybe you heard this as well. But um, when they shot that scene, that uh, Drew Barrymore had never heard the song, oh, okay, intentionally. Okay, and so her reaction to the song is a first time take and because she wanted it to be real as if she was the character hearing it for the good. first time that's good yeah so i i thought that was that was kind of nice yeah that's pretty cool and you know from what i've heard about um adam sandler and drew barrymore they're very good friends yes they are and, and so there there is this friendship this kind of chemistry between them so i don't know it kind of adds to the to the scene and of course we go from that uh, scene on the airplane and then immediately we're at a wedding and this is playing in the background. With the band, but they have a new lead singer. A new lead singer, which is Stupid Shemmy, who is David. Dave, yeah, yeah, David. Yeah. So this is like the, 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 the final scene where they're... Now, how choreographed was that? That the band is playing at the end of the vowels. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is not easy to do. No. I, I would give that to them because they're actually at the altar and they're, and they're kissing... And they're they're singing the uh, chorus to to the song, which is Spandau Ballet's "True," mm-hmm. with Steve Buscemi, who's again got a pretty decent voice. I, I assume he did his own singing. Oh, he so. did, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. So uh, I, I guess it's now a sober David, because <laughs> um, at the end of the scene on the airplane, when when he's finished singing the song and they're kissing, Billy Idol comments to Robbie and says, "Hey." That's a really good song. I'm going to tell my my friend at the record company about you. Yeah. So you kind of assume that where where Robbie finally kind of you know if, if David is now the lead singer of his wedding band that he's moved on. He's moved on to bigger sure, success. That's a good point. So yeah, that's yeah. a good point. So that kind of closes out the movie. Um, so we're happy at the end of the movie. It, it's I I don't think we thought that going in that we were going to be unhappy when this thing ended. Well, I just like how Buscemi kind of improvs at the end. He's like, I know this much is. And he's like, I do, I do, I do. Robbie and Julia. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of a good way to end it. Yeah. So So anyways, that wraps up The Wedding Singer. Um, It it was a movie that 
I remember when it, it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. Did you see it in the theater? I did not. We saw it as because we did not see it in the theater, but there was a lot of good buzz about it. Sure. And so I remember like as soon as we could watch it like on DVD, we got it right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the DVD at home. And that was from when we first bought it, like right after it, it became available. So, right. Um, but yeah, and also it, it hit pretty heavy TV rotation, like right after it was done in the theaters as well. So, right. You got a pretty good, you know, right around 1999, even into early 2000. Yeah. I think I'd already seen it probably five or 10 times. Right. I, it, it's, it's a movie where, you know, sometimes um, you may think, ah, it could get a little old, but I, I tell you what, it, at, at the end of the movie, there's just something about it where it's just it's just a, a nice, happy, happy ending that I kind of fall for every time, and, and I enjoy it. It is, and even if you're not necessarily a fan of the movie, I would say probably a majority of our listeners to this particular show could at least look back at the soundtrack and say, hey, this is a soundtrack that is worth listening to again, because... You know, think of all the songs that we covered just in this podcast episode. You know, there's 26 songs on the soundtrack, and it really does cover just about all spectrums mm-hmm. on on the on the music scene in the mid 80s. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think that's what what captivated me at first was just it was a good look back at at the 80s. And in, in a way, the movie kind of does what we do here on this podcast. It kind of like you know brings everything together whether it's some television whether it's some music some fashion the movies it's it's kind of what made our our generation great with the the fact that we were so into overall pop culture i you know i think this was this really summed it up well and in addition to that i was watching a clip um where drew barrymore on her her talk show uh does a thing where she uh, you know it's called Druber, and she's like drives around in in, in like a cab and they, she had Adam Sandler in there, and they interviewed. And so she asked him, if you could pick any one of your movies, that if you had to point somebody to, we have a time capsule, and mm-hmm. you can only put one in there, like what movie sums up Adam Sandler and his career? And he said The Wedding Singer. Okay. So I, 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 think it's, I think it's a great example. And the one thing I have always appreciated about Sandler movies, whether you like the movies or not, his music sensibilities are very similar to ours. Sure. And probably a lot of the listeners to this to this show that when you listen to, you know, if you if even if you watch a movie like Billy Madison, uh, you know, the music that is interspersed into the movie, a lot of it is throwback type music when he did the song when he did the movie Grown Ups. Think of all the oh, retro yeah. songs sure. that are in that movie. Uh, you know, it's just, I think, I think he's a big fan of music. You know, when he used to do his comedy tours, he would go up there with a guitar mm-hmm. and he would sing as well. Uh, you know, the Hanukkah song is, is now a classic. Um, but I think, I think Sandler is a huge music fan and he actually did write the songs that he sang on, uh, you know, that, that particular song he wrote at the very end that he sang to Drew Barrymore on the airplane. So. So that's The Wedding Singer, Scott. Um, you know, one of the classic Gen X movies about some classic Gen X time. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Hopefully everybody out there um, had some memories spurned, or not spurned, but spurred, where you, you go back and you, maybe you watch the movie again. Maybe you just go back and check out some of the songs. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, like th- things that you might not have thought of. Maybe you haven't thought of The Cars All I Can Do for a while. Yeah. Go back and listen to that again. And 
uh, feel free to pause our podcast. You can you can stop it and come <laughs> back again. Go go YouTube or Spotify and listen to the song, then play us again, pick us up. So um, that brings us to the end of this episode. Now, Scott, uh, what do you have for our next episode? All right. So it, we, it's been brought up in previous episodes. I think it was actually brought up in the last episode that we did on the uh, Billboard Top 40 is we're going to go back and we're going to pull the music from my ever-famous 1982 mixtape. Ooh. And we're going to play it from beginning to end. Well, not every, you know the song in length, but we're going to go over every song that is on that from the summer of 1982. Okay. Uh, we talked about it a couple of times. It's actually gotten into family folklore. <laughs> uh, it's been brought up by my kids. And I was able to, I actually, I found... I never, I did not, was not able to save the cassette tape, but I was actually able to transfer songs onto a CD and burn a CD that had the songs from from that particular mixtape. Are they in the correct order? They are in that order. Oh, so you will you will be pleasantly surprised. So we're going to go back and we're going to revisit the summer of 1982 uh, with uh, with the top, basically a top 20 of uh, of songs from from our childhood that was one of our favorites so that's what we're going to do that that is a super exciting episode for me i I don't think i've heard that next tape in 30 plus years so good yeah so we're actually coming up on uh by the time of this recording we're just shy of july 2023 which we started in july of 2022 so we're actually coming up on one full year i know we we call them episodes where this is episode 28 you know we split them up into parts and sometimes into four parts so we <laughs> i mean we've been we've been going for a full year now and we just grow a little bit at a time and we just want again want to say thanks to everybody for listening yeah absolutely and as we say all the time if you like this show please give us a good rating please tell a friend i think that's how we're growing the most it's just word of mouth and people enjoying this and uh you know kind of reminiscing about the good old days yeah so you know, especially you know, thanks to Sean for for bringing up um, the wedding singer from, even though it's a 1998 movie, it represented 1985. So you did 16 Candles from 1984. Mm-hmm. You did Top Gun from '86, and now you did the wedding singer, which is essentially 1985. So I see a pattern there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but no, appreciate it. That was fun. Check out the soundtrack, the wedding singer soundtrack. And again, thanks for listening to Gen X Playback. We are the Brothers High. We'll talk to you next time. I am Scott. And I'm Sean. And we'll see you later. See you.